Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is, at Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show one more time. We're going to have a great show today. I mean, I know we're all happy because of what happened over this week. It was a scary week. It was a frightening week. But you know what? We pulled it out. And you know why we pulled it out? We pulled it out because of you. We pulled it out because the grassroots came together. The grassroots let me, let me tell you, everybody right now, they are, they are claim, they're, they're singing uh, McCain's holy glory for being that standout that came out there and he somehow did what was necessary to do to ensure that somehow the bill didn't get passed. But yes, we need to give uh, McCain some credit, but let's give some credit where it's due. Let's give some credit to those two ladies who actually went against their party, Susan Collins and Murkowski from Alaska, Susan Collins from Maine, that went against their party to go ahead and vote for this. It wasn't just McCain. Yes, McCain did it, but it was those two women that faced the biggest challenges because their careers are still uh, fairly, I don't want to say fairly young, but they, are, they have established careers, and I'm pretty sure they want to continue it. Right now, McCain is in the sunset of his years, and it's unlikely that he will run again. So it was, it was not a sacrifice for, for McCain to do what he did. So let's give credit to those two ladies, those two women who actually went against your parties to get the job done. McCain came through, but those two ladies absent their votes, it would have passed. As usual in our media, we always try to give a certain sect more due than others. Women, again, came through. Two Republican women came through. McCain helped. Let's get that codified before we sing too much praises on to McCain. And do remember that one of the things McCain did before he voted for the bill is he went over to the Democrats and said, hey, guys, are you going to, be, are you going to, going to put any blocks on the NDAA? Are you going to block the NDAA? That's the National Defense Authorization Act or something of that nature. So in effect... What, what Mr. McCain was saying is, okay, if you guys okay that the president still have those war presidential powers, ah, then I'll be okay with supporting or not killing Americans by supporting this particular bill. Sad exchange, right? They should be mutually exclusive. Helping people should have nothing to do with helping war. But you know how our country is. You know what we do. You know what we continue you know the way it is right now. Uh, it, it's so much easier to pass laws when it has something to do with war than anything else. Anyhow, today's program, uh, it, it is going. I want to talk about the Democratic Party today, and one of the reasons I want to talk about the Democratic Party today is not to be, not to be uh, uh, just critical. That's not the issue. <clears throat> A lot of people think. Uh, if you're, you know, uh, I, I write a whole lot of stuff at several sites, including the, uh, the Democratic Underground, Daily Coast, Op-Ed, and other areas. And what happens with these mostly progressive sites, uh, again, sense Op-Ed, that is, is uh, once you give a critique of the Democratic Party, what then happens is the, the, the staunch party loyalists come out on the attack because they believe that what you're doing is somehow going to be detrimental to the party. Folks, let me tell everybody that's listening, Democrat or otherwise, 
If you want to change Democratic Party, if you want to ensure that Democrats start to support policies that win, if you want to ensure that Democrats are really standing behind the platform that we supposedly signed in Philadelphia over uh, earlier last year, we have to put we have to put the fire to these people. We have to ensure that the corporate wing of the party dies, and I really mean that because the corporate wing of the the corporate wing wing of this party is almost indistinguishable, absent social issues from the Republican wing of the party. They are the same funders. They're the same everything. What One of the interesting things that was done with the, the, the uh, Bernie Sanders campaign is that he proved that you could raise a whole lot of money by having a whole lot of progressive values to go ahead and support. So what we need to start concentrating on is grassroots. And, and let, let's talk about the success of the grassroots. You guys were marvelous. You guys did everything that needed to be done, and you guys got a win. The only reason Murkowski, Collins, uh, and, and, and McCain uh, had the backbone to do what they did was because they had the support of the vast majority of Americans, Democrats, Republicans, and uh, alike. Do not ever sit back there and believe that Oh, those crazy Trump voters wanted their health care taken away as well. They just needed to save face and hope that you guys behaved the way you did, that you guys fought the way you fought. And you know what? You saved America. Indivisible, you saved America. Our revolution, you saved America. People for health, uh, universal health care, you saved America. People for nationalization of health care, you saved America. HNLP, you saved America. You're the ones who went out there and fought you hit up the offices of the senators, and there are a few Congress people locally. Uh, I, I want to commend folks like uh, like um, Je- Jessica Lee, uh, Je- Jessica Lee, one of our Congress people who have been fighting this battle, who have been having programs throughout the country. In fact, she had one today at 10, 10, 10 this morning that I was unable to attend because of this show. But there are a lot of people, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, that's the person I wanted to talk about, who's been really fighting that battle really fighting that battle to really hit hard and ensure that health care, that, that this destructive Trump care was not passed. But folks, remember, it's not over. Uh, this is just a lull. Remember, they will be back. Do not ever not believe that they will be back because they will be back. This is definitely coming back. So I don't want you to somehow get that false sense of security into the belief that somehow uh, somehow this thing is over because this thing is definitely not over. It seems like we have temporarily lost the feed. I'm not sure. Uh, let, me, let me go across here and see if we've really lost the feed or not. Uh, it seems like we've lost the feed. Let me get back, uh, get back the feed for you uh, in a minute here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, let's see. We sorry that we temporarily lost the feed. We temporarily lost the feed. It's coming back up. Okay. I think we are back. I think we're back. Sorry about that. For those folks that are listening on blog talk radio, as well as on Facebook live, we temporarily lost the feed. Just go back to the feed and um, you'll be able to pick us up again. Anyhow, um, going back to the conversation as far as uh, as we were talking about the the healthcare bill, remember that it will it will come up again, and we must stay arranged. But anyhow, what is the program gonna be about today? What is the program gonna be about today? Today, the program is gonna be called Democrats Timidity and lack of a bold agenda dims 2018 blue wave hopes. Okay? That's important. That is very, very important. Because everybody thinks right now, most people believe that we are going to have a hell of a 2018. I'm going to tell you straight up. If things stay the same as they are right now, we won't. After I do the blog of the week, I'll go in. Hello, uh, Munich, Germany. Video and sound quality good. Thank you very much, uh, Sandy Sandler in Munich, Germany. 
I want I want to tell you guys that no, there there will be no blue wave if things remain the same. There will be no blue wave. I know you don't want to hear it, but that's a fact. If we want to have a blue wave, what it's going to take is a change in how we have been doing things, okay? It's going to take a serious change. Unfortunately, the leadership in our party does not seem to believe that. The leadership in our party does not seem to think that anything of substance needs to be changed. One of the reasons that is, is that we have maintained the same leadership in the party. And we can't do that. We cannot hold on to the same old leadership. And this is nothing against uh, the, the, the old leadership. I mean, a lot of these guys did a great job in 2026, 20, right? 2006. They brought a supermajority that made healthcare not as good as we wanted it, but plot, uh, somewhat good. They're the ones who made healthcare possible. But anyway, let's get started with the program. Democrats released their new slogan, a better deal, better jobs, better wages, better future, which is completely uninspiring and cookie cutter. It says nothing either Republicans or Democrats alike have implied is their goal. Democrats continue to fail to see that the country is looking for bold progressive leadership and policies. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders pros are proved that it is not hard to postulate that the intersection of, or rather, proved, Donald Trump and, and, uh, and Bernie Sanders proved that a progressive move is what was, want, was needed. Remember, I don't want anybody to forget how Donald Trump campaigned. In fact, it was, a, it was an interesting triangulation that Donald Trump used, okay? It was an interesting triangulation, hi, Jessica Hopkins, triangulation he used to win. And we must understand that. He used a populist progressive message coded with a slight tint of conservatism. He was not a conservative uh, candidate at all. He used the Bill Clinton type of triangulation. Anyhow, Democrats continue to fail to see that the country is looking for bold progressive leadership and policy. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders proved that. It is not hard to postulate that the intersection of Trump and Sanders Voters who did not vote for Hillary rank or Hillary uh, rank and rank and file Democrats, independents, and progressive Republicans represent a winning coalition that supports a bold progressive agenda. A few weeks, I, I mean, a few weeks ago, and this, this is this this is important. And by the way, I made a slight mistake there. I started the blog of the week before I needed to start the blog of the week, because I wanted to actually tell you something else before, and it goes like this. Democrats must up their game starting now if they want to see a blue wave in 2018. If they want to recover the more than 1,000 seats lost throughout the states and take over the Senate and House, they must come out with a bold plan that makes the average American believe they will shake things up to move forward. The Democrats' new slogan does not inspire. It does not give us hope that Democrats will shake things up. It is time for progressives to go directly to the people without going through the prism of the Democratic Party establishment. With Win those elections in the primaries and bold, with bold ideas. Assign blame where it belongs and articulate the real changes that they will make. All right? That is what we have to do. What are your thoughts? After the blog of the week, I hope to hear from you, both talking here at, on Facebook Live, or you can call into the show directly as well. It is very important that we, that we start talking these issues. Now, I, I, tell you, I, I tell you something that is very interesting. This morning, I woke up and read a great article from somebody who has similar, similar beliefs, sim, that similar thoughts uh, of what we needed to do. So we're going to actually go through that as well after we do the, you know what, the blog of the week. So let's go there. It's time for the weekly blog post. Okay. Again, the weekly blog post, which I started to read by mistake earlier on. The weekly blog post is titled, Democrats' timidity and lack of a bold agenda dims 2018 blue wave hopes. And I mean that. 
do not sit back there and believe that the Republican Party is in such dire straits that somehow we're going to waltz in and take over the House and possibly the Senate. It ain't going to happen. It'll, it will only happen if a bold message is presented to the American people. That let, because right now they want to throw everything out. And let them believe, however, that those people, those folks that are running, are going to go out there and they're going to really support them. Right now, I don't hear that. So here goes the blog of the week. Democrats released their new slogan. And what is your new slogan? A better deal, better jobs, better wages, better future, which is completely uninspiring and cookie cutter. It says nothing either Republicans or Democrats alike have implied is their goal. Democrats continue to fail to see the country is looking for bold progressive leadership and policies. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders prove that it's not hard to postulate that the intersection of Trump and Sanders voters who did not vote for Hillary, rank and file Democrats, independents, and progressive Republicans represent a winning coalition that supports a bold progressive agenda. And it's not only that is not only a winning coalition. If you add those segments up, those numbers up, you could actually get a veto proof, not a veto proof, a rather, a filibuster proof type, uh, a filibuster proof type of majority in the Senate, if you are, because remember, and this is what a lot of people don't understand, Senate races have nothing to do with gerrymandering. So if you have a message, you can pull senators, and I can enumerate some Republican senators in Republican, in Republican states that will vote for a progressive candidate they believe is going to make the change that they want. Our message can be presented in a manner that does not seem to be a left-wing, uh, you know, I mean, look, I'm a left-winger, okay? But I know how to speak to folks that are, that, are, that are conservative, who we can have intersectionalities in values. And that intersectionalities in values over a candidate that's going to just keep the status quo, that, that progressive will win if the message fits the, if the, message fits the state. And that is what I'm talking about. Anyhow, a few weeks ago, I wrote an article about Democrats spending too much time on Trump colluding with Russia and not enough on issues that directly affect Americans. And another article about Democrats not fighting the healthcare battle smartly. But the Democratic uh, problems run deeper. Miles Camp Layson must read article in these times titled The Democrats' New Agenda is Everything that's wrong with the Democratic Party lays it out very well. And that's an article. I have it linked into the blog of the week as well. You need to read that article. But here's what he says. The story of the Democratic Party in 2017 has been one of timidity and stubborn resistance to real change in the immediate aftermath of the party's preferred candidate facing a humiliating defeat in last year's presidential election. Questions swirled over what direction the party would take to respond to the new political reality, with Democrats at their weakened, weakest position in decades, having lost over 1,000 seats in states and Congress over the previous eight years. It appeared that a drastic shift in how the party operated was in store. Of course, we didn't get that. And the party was, this is still him talking, and the party was offered an early opportunity to embark on such a shift with the campaign by Keith Ellison of the, of, for Democratic National Committee Chair. Ellison sported a resume as bold as a bold progressive with popular support from rank-and-file Democrats and party activists alike. And he presented a clear and break, with, or rather a clear break with the Democratic Party's traditional establishment. That's an important paragraph that he writes there. Why is it important? Because the type of, the type of uh, party leadership that, that uh, Ellison would have brought would not to forget about establishment candidates. I mean, there are establishment candidates that would do better in certain states. What he, what he was bringing is bringing in that progressive wing that normally goes ignored in the party. And this is not a question that I'm asking. I can tell you, having been to a, a, a Bernie delegate in Philadelphia, the scorn with which progressives are real deep progressives are treated with in, from the party. And including, uh, on the only reason the Democratic platform got as progressive as it did, as we fought in Philly, was because they did want a ruckus to show up 
on national TV when the the when when, when we were at the prime not at the prime when we were at the convention. So in order for there not to be a ruckus at the convention, they placated much of what Sanders wanted in the Democratic platform. And in the process, it turned out to be a darn good platform. And by the way, I have it linked, the platform linked in here as well. Let me continue, however. But rather than embrace the new direction presented by Ellison's bid, party insiders conspired to instead elect Tom Perez, a candidate with much stronger connections to the party establishment wing. The result came as a dispiriting blow to many in the party's base who hoped for a clear break in the Democratic Party leadership. I want to digress here for a second. A lot of people didn't want to fight the battle that uh, Keith Ellison would have brought to the fold. And what battle am I talking about? Well, Keith is a Muslim. Keith had said uh, a few things that were taken out of context about uh, Jews and some other issues. And likewise, the Republicans were, did the same thing that they did with Al Gore. I don't know if you remember during the Al Gore days, when Al Gore was running uh, uh, against Bush, he ran away from Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton at that time was very popular. The, Demo- the, the Republicans uh, made him believe that had he embraced Bill Clinton, somehow they would have used that against him and he would have lost the election. And guess what? He bought into it. Gore ran away from Clinton and in the process of running away from Clinton, he ran away from the achievements I mean, I, I have some problems with the Clinton administration, but the achievement that at that time was believed to be a success in the Clinton administration. The same thing they did with Ellison. They, they, were, they were so timid that they figured the Republicans would have all these attacks on, on Ellison that would metastasize. The thing of what they don't realize is Ellison is a very charismatic guy that would have gone into very conservative areas and also got the support of many people that Democrats generally don't get support from. Continuing with, with what the guy had to say now. In the, in, in the ensuing months, the Democrats have turned to neoliberal architects such as Rahm Emanuel for advice, invested a history amount of funding in centrists like John Ossoff, failed congressional campaign in Georgia, and returned to the strategy of recruiting moderate blue dogs to run in the upcoming 2018 midterms election. Haven't they learned anything? If, they, if somebody wants to elect a blue dog, they will go with a, a Republican. I'm sorry. Americans are now becoming a bit more tribal or they break, their, break from their tribe. So trying to say, let's just go for a blue dog Democrat is not going to do it for you. Why? Because if people want to elect a Dem, if somebody's going to hit the D, they're going to hit the D because they're saying, oh my God, I want policies that support people. I want policies that are people-centric. They're not hitting that because they have a, a somewhat people-centric person that is, no, they're, they're either going to go full Republican or they're going to go Democrat. It's no in-between anymore. And people in pain, in pain who know that they're in pain, will go Democrat. At this week, and this week, the Democratic Party, continuing, the Democratic Party announced its new slogan, and platform a better deal better jobs better wages better future besides its possible plagiarism from the papa john's tagline the plan includes a repackaging of a number of longtime democratic ideas with some potential progressive offerings sprinkled in but must but much like a pizza from papa john's a better deal mostly amounts to an uninspired state and cheesy agglomeration stuffed neatly in a box. That's it. No mas, nada mas, punto y final. The article is not an attack on the Democratic establishment, but an urging that the party boldly support issues that affect all Americans without fear. Americans want to know that somebody is out there fighting for them. Not being timid about, well, what will the Republicans say if I say this? What will the Republicans do if I support this policy? What will the Republicans do with the ads that they put out? If they put out an ad, you put out a better one. If they go on the Internet, you come out again and you do it. People want to see people who are not scared to fight for them. And 
the, the current Republican Party has no interest in fighting for Americans. And that is not a difficult, if you really want to teach Americans the reality of the Republican Party or some other articles that I printed today, I mean, printed earlier this week, it is not at all difficult. The difficulty is getting people to hear you. The difficulty is having the conversation. The difficulty is having somebody sit down and talk to you and listen to you. And that is what I'm talking about, the approach that we take. We don't just go ahead and try to activate the base. We go ahead and try to have conversations with everybody. The author further writes the following. There is no shortage of ambitious programs waiting for the Democrats to embrace. The party could pledge to breaking up big banks, offer free public college. I don't like to call it offer free college. I like to call it something that makes more sense, something that is really what it's all about. It's not free college. All you progressive writers out there, it is not free college. It is pay it forward college because that person who got their college tuition paid for, they, with their increased level of pays or increased level of education will have high command higher salaries. Those higher salaries will command higher taxes. Those higher taxes will pay for the education of another person. It is pay it forward education, not free college tuition. It is pay it forward tuition. So that's, that's one bone I have with this article here. Now tax the wealthy and financial transactions, provide a universal basic income and fight for universal collective bargaining rights. Those are things that progressives believe in. Those are things that we ought to be fighting for. And those are things we shouldn't be ashamed about talking about that they call you a liberal or a progressive or whatever. Who the hell cares? I am a proud left-wing liberal progressive, whatever you want to call me, because I care about people. I believe in people. I love people. I want what's best for people. Okay? We should carry that banner. We should carry that banner with pride because we care about people. And you know what? The policies that have always been affected under our domain have always made people better off. And in making people better off, the country as a whole has been better off. And these ideas, the single-payer uh, healthcare, a federal jobs guarantee, and sweeping climate action, and you can have the makings of the kind of bold economic agenda that Schumer claims is key to the party reclaiming its mantle as an unabashed advocate for the working class. Such agenda would require the Democrats to shed their timidity and prove that they are not beholden to corporate interests, and it certainly mean providing more than a shiny pole tested new messaging. I mean, come on now. We don't need to poll test some crazy message that we know is classe. Plus, come on. If Democrats are worried about the efficacy of adopting a broad left platform in 2017, all they need to do is peer across the pond. Labor was able to score stunning advances in Britain's June election, running in running on the most left-wing platform the party had put forward in more than three decades. And you know what? You have to remember, and these guys already have universal health care. These guys already have universal health care. The manifesto that leaked before the election called for, one, the nationalization of utilities such as water, rail, and electricity, eliminating tuition fees, instituting free childcare, expanding public housing, taxing the wealthy and corporations, and transitioning to 60% low-carbon fuels by 2030. Now, that's what I call bold. By the way, I support all those things. Now, in America, we'll have to negotiate with those conservatives who just can't see the value in the commons. We have to, we have to be more, yes, we'll have to do some more negotiating with these folks. It won't be clear sailing. It means that, we, that these policies will have to be proved over time. But you know what? We have to have policies to be proved and not just a timidity to, to, to put the policies out there for fear that they would be attacked. Do you think the Republicans are ever in fear of their policies that hurt people being attacked? Look at the skinny repeal bill 
The skinny repeal bill was nothing but, was, but a contract to murder. The skinny repeal bill, every Democrat should be on TV giving the skinny repeal bill, bill a new name, a contract, a legal, legalized contract for murder. But again, timidity. They won't go on TV and say the things that Republicans would otherwise say, which cauterize their, cauterize their, their base. We, progressives, need to learn to be able to do the things and, and, and speak in ways that we can grab people's attention and tell them what needs to be heard. Yes, the Skinner repeal bill was a contract to murder. Rather than sabotaging the party's chances, the manifesto was hugely popular and was credited in boosting labor's late rise in the polls, leading to the shock outcome with Jeremy Corbyn and the party making huge gains and threatening Theresa May's conservative government. We have examples. We have examples of people who run left with all the pressures behind them or in front of them, with the headwinds that they have. They still come out with big, with big, big positives. Now think about it. Let, let's go back a, a bit to Bernie Sanders. With all the pressures, the headwinds on Bernie Sanders, he still did very well, right? He almost, he almost did it about it. Suppose he didn't have those pressures. So suppose he didn't have an establishment that was designed to hurt, to, to make sure that he, that was, I don't want to say to make sure he didn't win, because if he had overperformed, he could still have won. But the establishment had no desire for this guy to win. Okay, let's be honest about it. Whether you're a Hillary supporter or a Bernie supporter, and by the way, I was a Bernie supporter. I was a national Bernie delegate in Philadelphia, but I voted for Hillary Clinton. And I voted for Hillary Clinton because that was the pragmatic thing to do. That was the right thing to do. The country would have been in a better state with a Hillary Clinton. And later on, I would have supported a progressive, a more progressive person thereafter. I wasn't going to sit back and get mad because Bernie didn't um, wasn't able to pull it out and just throw, uh, burn the house down. That hurts people. My goal, our goal should never be to hurt people. Anyhow, it is time for Democrats to, this is, this is a continuation of the blog now. It is time for Democrats to deliver what the Democratic Party platform articulates. I pointed that out in my article, the Democratic Party needs to up its game for, tw- for the 21st century, which will be on the front page of Daily Coast, actually tomorrow the largest progressive site in the country. I pointed out that Democrats needed to up their fast response game. They need to use new technologies in real time to get their message across. I then wrote the following, and it goes as follows. The Democratic Party is currently more reactive than proactive. It is more on defensive than on offensive. Even the new Democratic slogan lacked the urgency needed for a party unable to win even though most Americans support the values and policies within its democratic platform. Folks, if you haven't read the democratic platform, please do so. Every American who reads the democratic platform will sit back and say, I stand for that. And and Republicans reading the platform would likely say, I stand for that, but I'm not a Democrat. But I can guarantee you enough of them because of the values, the intrinsic values, will support that. The current leadership of the Democratic Party did a great job in 2006. I mean, come on. In 2006, uh, Nancy Pelosi and the team did a great job. In 2010, Nancy Pelosi did a great job. Nancy Pelosi can, in, in many ways, is more responsible for the effectuation of, of uh, the the. Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, than any other person. That woman is powerful. That woman was able to pull the necessary strings. That woman made it happen. But you know what? You cannot rest on your laurels. You cannot say all these great things you've done in the past in a country that has to move forward. And in a country where there, there, there is a Democratic Party with a very small Democratic base, we do not have a Democratic base. Enough people in the background coming up the ladder. 
The current leadership of the Democratic Party did a great job in 2006. The party, mostly led by the senator, by then-Senator Barack Obama, took it a step further in 2008. Unfortunately, the party did not continue to build on those successes. There are many reasons why, some cynical, and I'm not going to go into the cynical ones right here, but some based on the lack of new blood entering leadership. Okay? The Democratic Party still has time to right the ship. The Republicans are giving them ample opportunities to rebuild their decimated state and federal benches. It is time for the Democratic Party to invest in new technologies and to learn how to use the new social media paradigm effectively. I mentioned earlier in that article, when Donald Trump had a speech about how bad Obamacare was and all the bad things of Obamacare, I wanted to see Periscope, Facebook Live. Uh, I wanted to see emails shooting out. I wanted to see YouTube Live. I wanted to see all these different avenues. I wanted to see memes, everything contradicting the president in every single domain, because right now we have a segmented uh, viewership. They're not all on ABC, CBS, MSNBC, cable news, and all these things. They're all over the place. So you have to blanket it with all over the place. Guess what Donald Trump did? That is what Donald Trump, with a, losing, with, with, a, with a message that wasn't as good as Hillary Clinton, won enough votes because he got into enough mailboxes, into enough pages, and he had a digital network. And I, I wrote another article where I pointed that out. He had a digital network that segmented the bases. And he went into areas that he needed to get into to reach these people. If the Democratic Party really wanted to do that, they could. And it's not that they don't know. Remember I said earlier, there are also cynical reasons why these things aren't done. I wrote an article that talks about the rails, about the establishment of the Democratic Party and the establishment of the Republican Party existing within the left and right rails of a train track. And that what the progressives need to be doing is bending that left rail and forcing, you know, you know those rails are connected through um, a, a, a log. They need to bring those things back. That is what needs to be done, and we need to do it. Folks, here we go close to the end, and I'm going to open the lines up. The Democratic Party still has time. The Republicans are giving them ample opportunities to rebuild their decimated state and federal benches. It is time for the Democratic Party to invest in new technologies and to learn how to use the new social media paradigm effectively. Grassroots Democrats are answering the call throughout the country. However, it is imperative that the old guard does not become a hindrance to moving forward. It is time for Democrats to reach beyond the base to form a coalition that can govern. The Democratic Party needs to up its game for the 21st century. Progressive Democrats need to take the reins of their party and bring it into the 21st century. It is time for them to take control, to start winning again, so they can effect policies to move poor, working class, and middle class America forward. Folks, this is a call-in show, and of course, I read what you're writing on Facebook Live as well. You can, you can call us at, and let me get that phone number here. The call-in number is 646-929-2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. Please give us a call, and we will get you on air. My first caller is, let's see, 314. 314, who do I have the honor of speaking with? You know, uh, and you got an echo there, too. I've grown up uh, around Democratic politics, living Mm -hmm. here around the St. Louis area, and it has been terrible. Okay. Just plain terrible. Now, we have a, thanks to Donald Trump, which I supported, we had a onslaught of Republican candidates to be elected, mm-hmm. including a Republican governor. Mm-hmm. We have tax reform. We have a, a Hancock Amendment, whereas if, uh, the state revenue exceeds the income of Missourians, and that excess is given back to the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. We have a constitutional carry. We have voter ID. And I want to see school choice. 
Democrats don't want that because of their ties with the teachers union and vanguard organizations. Okay. Donald Trump was the only candidate that was talking in those lines. Mm-hmm. And also, I prefer for Congress to work to shore up Social Security and Medicare and put less emphasis on Medicaid. Let the states handle that. If states want to have a universal health care, then let them have it. I don't think that's the responsibility of the federal government. Okay. I just want to keep it short. Okay, but you great, got a good program. I have listened to you in the past. Thank you very much for calling in, my friend. What is your name again, my friend? My name is Pianchi. Pianchi. Yes, I remember that name. That's a distinctive name. Anyhow, let me tell you, Pianchi. First of all, I, I want to address the school issue first. It's not that Democrats don't like or don't want school choice. It's that school choice, when you look at the absolute numbers, don't work. And there's a reason why it doesn't work. And let me explain that in detail, specifically the following. Uh, What folks don't understand is there are certain things in our society that should be for profit and other things that should not be for profit. Why don't you want schooling for profit? Schooling for profit does two different things. Uh, The the first person that has to be taken care of is the shareholders of the corporation that runs the school. In so doing, it means that they have to minimize costs. And what are the cost minimization factors? One, we have to pay teachers less. Number two, we have to ensure that the students that we bring into those classrooms are not the students that are going to cost us the most to educate. Three, it also has proven from real data, because we're, we're here in Houston where we have charter schools, et cetera, and in other places where there are charter schools, they definitely do not, they do not perform. They perform at the same level or worse than public school. And that is, by, that is not at all hard to understand when you look at the numbers. In school and in education and healthcare, profit is really a detrimental expense. People who believe in the free market refuse to accept that the free markets do not work for everything. If I remember from the last time you called in, I remember my callers very well, you're in the construction business. I believe wholeheartedly that the free market in those businesses work fine. You cannot extend that to healthcare. You cannot extend that to education. You cannot extend that to these different issues because, my friend, it doesn't work. You made up. You brought up another issue with open carry that, that Donald Trump brought in. I'm not going to go into the argument of open carry because a lot of that is a cultural issue. Now, where, where it affects me is if somebody blows my head off because they're dropped their they're un- uneducated in dealing with a gun, but that's a different issue. You brought up one other case. You brought up another issue, I think, uh, with taxes. Let me tell you of something about taxes, right? I am, for, I am for paying not necessarily high taxes, but required taxes. Here's the issue. You as a businessman, you live in a society that was created by taxes and infrastructure, and all these items were created by all our taxes. We gave you the wherewithal so that your excel, your ex your excellences could come out. The problem we have is a lot of people whose excellences were dependent on taxes paid by previous generations and taxes in general. What has happened to those people is as soon as they've they've made it, they are certainly becoming agnostic to taxes. The reality is I believe in the right amount of taxes being collected. If you want to be honest, corporations get too much of a break on taxes while, uh, while the average American citizen pays too much. There are certain parts about taxes that we should be very cognizant of. Why is it that investment people who make their money off of investment pay a lower tax rate than those who go out and do a work, work with their hands, those who go out and work every day? It is not it is not warranted. It is, it is unfair that those people who can sit down at their, at, the, at their pool who have invested their monies and make money off of their investments, but while a person who invests in their labor, who could lose a finger, who could lose a hand, who invests their bodies, who put their bodies at risk, will pay a higher tax, tax rate. It's a moral issue, and it's an issue that's worth discussion, but I appreciate what you had well, to say. Well, can, can I reply to two of the things you may mention? Quick, because I got to go to another. Yeah, I'm gonna do it real quick. You know, school cho- when blacks are polled, and I've been following education as applied to black children since the 1970s. Yes, sir. School yes, choice sir. is the best option. When black parents are polled, they say mm-hmm. they want school choice with vouchers. Who would sure. know better than the parents? 
And other things. School. I want to answer that question. The, the, and, and the, well, the, here's I, the point. Yeah. Well, here's the point, real quick, and, and I don't want to get in an argument with you because no, it's going to happen. It is happening. Yeah. Here's the here's the, here's my discussion is that parents are taking their kids out of these dilapidated systems, and also school choice just don't mean charter school. It may mean another public school like we have seen it occur here in the St. Louis area. It could be private school. It could be parochial school. It's the parents' choice. Like the lady in Ohio, they faced five years for putting her child in her adjoining school district where her father lived and one up in New Jersey. If you had to have school choice with vouchers, those women would not have went to prison. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't be talking about that as a negative as today's. But anyway, you have so much time. Maybe we can discuss sometime in the future. Yeah, great. And I just want to, I want to make mention that I agree with you that uh, school choice as far as having another, another, if a public, particular public school is bad, I am definitely for that parent being able to move them to a good public school. Now, again, I do not want tax dollars going into parochial schools or tax dollars going into charter schools. I want all tax dollars invested into the public school. Now, you made mention about the uh, about the, the, uh, the dilapidated schools. A lot of schools are dilapidated for the same reason those people who support those policies don't want to pay taxes that will support those dilapidated schools. But we're going to have this conversation another time. We have this show on a weekly basis, and I'd love to continue entertaining you, my friend, okay? Thank you, Tianke. Let me get to, uh, I think this is uh, John. Come on in, John. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, I want to address that. I don't know if Tianki hung up or not, but I mean, okay, well, I mean, you know, one thing that people who have followed Trump know about him is that he is a pathological liar. And I mean, the, the number of lies that he tells on a daily basis is, you know, has been documented regularly. And so one of the, one of his lies that he's continued is is lying to people about Medicare, lying to people about Medicaid, and lying people about Social Security. He specifically said during the campaign and even after the campaign that he was going to bring health care that was the greatest. It was going to be better than anything. And look, you know, and look what came out of the Republican Congress. I mean, nothing. But, I mean, what he's been doing is, is terrible. You cannot believe a word that that man says, and that's, that's one of the biggest you know, issues in the country right now. And this is why he is so incredibly unpopular. Uh, if you look at his numbers, uh, nobody since, since the, the history of modern polling has been as unpopular at the, the six-month le- uh, point is Donald Trump, and that is just a fact. And so, you know, people who believe, if he believes that Trump is going to save Social Security and is going to save Medicare when the Republicans have continually said they're going to cut it, uh, this is in the Republican budget, you know, you really need to wake up and understand what the Republicans believe. You know, all of the the oligarchs and the uh, the plutocrats that run the that, that people like uh, the Koch brothers, Sheldon Adelson, and all those people, that's who they're taking directions from. They could care less about the, the common man. They could care less about Medicare. They could care less about Medicaid. Uh, I know you don't care about Medicaid. I guess you don't care about poor people dying from lack of health care. But, uh, you know, you seem to be concerned about Medicare and Social Security, probably because it affects you. But, I mean, they are consistently talking about uh, cutting Medicare and Medicaid, and Ryan and all the people in the Freedom Caucus simply don't believe in that. This is part of the libertarian philosophy. So uh, I'd like to address what what you're saying also, Egberto, uh, about uh, about the uh, the Democrats. Now I agree with you on on a policy level, you know, but I, I definitely disagree with you on uh, you know if you look at act, the actual facts. Like if you look at the generic ballot right now. Real Clear Politics, which is a Republican, you know, owns Steve Forbes owns this, has the Democrats up by nine points. 
And at 538, obviously, Nate Silver, very unbiased person, has the Democrats up by 7.8 points. Uh, if you look at the numbers uh, from from 2006 when the Democrats won, they won by 7.9 percent. If you look at 2010 when the Republicans won 63 seats, they won by 6.8 percent. So, I mean, everything is is looking towards – a blue wave. I mean, and you can deny it all you want, uh, but I mean, the the facts are the facts. And, and you know, I, I and I would like to correct something he said too, if you don't mind. I never said it was going to be republic. I said Congress need to look at Social Security and Medicare. That's it's what I said. I didn't put the owners on republic. I said Congress themselves because people have paid into these things. If you're interested in Medicaid, move to a state that's Medicaid-friendly. I'm in Missouri. Missouri is red. It's got voter ID and so other things. I love it. Okay, I, I, I'm going to address the voter ID and stuff later on, but I want to address um, something that, uh, that John said specifically. And, John, um, I know what the poll says, and you're correct, say, and you're correct about all, all those numbers. The poll also had Ossoff winning. I'm not uh, these these things all. No, actually, it didn't. It didn't. The last couple of days, they actually had handle winning. Okay, I didn't know that. Three days. I I, I, I might have screwed up there, so you know. But I I know for the longest time he was winning. But the mere fact that that three days later the poll changed points out exactly what both you and I and 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 Tianki knows, and that is that polls are an instant in time. And I, one of the things that I continuously try to preach to folks is a lot of progressives look at all those numbers today and they, they look at it as if, oh, we're in great shape. They don't understand what is, on, what is going underneath on the undercurrent of a well-designed Republican, uh, Republican campaign. They don't understand, progressives a lot of times don't understand that the things that you see on TV is not what's really happening in the Democratic, rather in the Republican campaign. Uh, I was speaking about this, I don't remember where, uh, where uh, just using Facebook as the example and how they use targeted uh, statistics or targeted analytics to get to the right people in the right state, whereas they didn't need to win a majority, they just needed to win the right amount of the right people to win the election. And those are the things that I'm talking about. The also with the 7.8% and the 9%, let me tell you what uh, concerns me about that today. In October, the new rates for Obamacare comes out, okay? Uh, we just dumped Trump care temporarily. We know it's going to be up again. Uh, I've been complaining about the Democratic response to Trump care for the last three, four, five months. In other words, I've been trying to say that we should be attacking Republicans on, them, on Obamacare right now. Obamacare is going to show a huge problem in October, and we needed to already started to, to make the case that the problems with Obamacare is mostly caused by sabotage when the people see it in October. And that way, we could run on, on one of the items we could run on is Obamacare sabotage. You don't do that when the sub, you don't do that when the results of the sabotage occurs. You do that during the sabotage that is occurring. And that is what enough Democrats aren't doing. Every time you hear a Republican on TV today, it goes as follows. Uh, we, have to, we have to come up with a new we have to pass new policies. We have to pass new health care plans. And then they, no matter what questions they're asked, because Obamacare is collapsing, it is costing people too much. No matter where you hear a Republican today, those two sentences are in their messages on TV. Whenever you hear a Democrat, most of the times you have to ask them about that. You rarely hear the word sabotage. You rarely hear the word that he's not paying, he, he, he's, he's, he's withholding or he's attempting to withhold payments to the insurance company which will affect the, the risk management of the companies, which will increase the rate by 20%, that sold thing alone. We are not proactive. We are always reactive. And that's what I'm trying to get across. Yes, the poll numbers may say nine points today on, on, the, um, uh, on one of the real clear politics. It may seven seven point eight 7.8 points on uh, the, the other one. But what happened? But yeah, on 538. 
What happens, my friend, when those numbers come out? We know that well, sabotage well, began long before, but we are not can we are not preparing people for that reality. Go ahead, sir. I mean, we've we've had this discussion about five times, and every time I disagree with you, and and when, when, just in the last week, I've you know just on when I go on the treadmill and I watch cable TV on the treadmill, I see every Democrat is injured, and they do talk about this, and they they are talking about this, and when, as long as Trump keeps saying we're going to let Obamacare implode, you don't think that Democrats are going to be using that, you know, time after time, their first the first. Part of a commercial is going to be, you know, Kaiser Healthcare and all these other healthcare's that are that know that are factual pay, uh, places that are saying, you know, everything. This wasn't imploding. Almost every fact-based uh, journalistic invent, endeavor says it wasn't imploding. Only that the rates were a little bit high on the people who didn't have subsidies and. Uh, you know, and also, if you look at the polling on this, there's been more polling, and as time has gone on, people realize that, that you know they control everything. Right now, the Republicans control the, the Congress, the the House, the Senate, and and the presidency. How can you not blame the Republicans when they control everything? It is absurd. The people know this. Well, let me let me tell you why I say that. Look at Congress. Look at the House. Look at the president. That is the reason I don't. I understand everything that you're saying, John. I really do. But they're still voting for these people. I understand what you're saying. And what I'm saying is there is my contention is with all these things that should be the wind at the back of Democrats, I still think we are failing to monopolize on it. It's, I, look, I believe the numbers. I mean, I'm not arguing the numbers with you. I'm arguing what, what's going to happen in, in 2018. I want. I would love to see a blue wave. I want to see a blue wave, but I don't think we're doing. We're working smartly for a blue, blue wave. That's 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 all my contention is. And I think. And I and my fear. Look, remember uh, when you come and say things like, uh, you know, the, the the these numbers are great. I always come back and say yes, but Trump is president. When you say all the uh, you know the generic polls, the generic polls were also positive in twenty. 2016, as I recall, not at not seven points, but it was also positive. But we got a, a very a very robust Republican House. Uh, a lot of the polling. No, Democrats actually won seats. Democrats actually won seats in the yes, House. Yes, I I understand that. I am I understand that. I I really do. But look look at the Senate as well. My thing is, we need Democrats to win. won seats in the Senate. Yes, 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 5248, I understand that, okay? But, again, my goal is, as far as where the Democratic Party is concerned, as far as where progressives is concerned, to talk about going out there and fighting is also to talk about not going for these cookie-cutter messages, because the cookie-cutter messages can get you close. What gets you over the hill is when people believe you're really going to be going out working for them. But that's my thoughts. Give me a quick closer, uh, really. Uh, I tell you what, let me go to, let me go to Tianki. Tianki, the show is about to be over, so give me about a 30-second closer. Well, my closer well, my is I'm happy that the state of Missouri is uh, red. I hope Trump does, as uh, he says, on immigration reform, especially those work visas. He needs to go on Bessie's voice needs to move on school choice and the other things that we're looking for. I lived amongst Democrats for a long time. Democratic Party has been terrible here in certain congressional districts in Missouri. I'm tired of them. Thank you very much, Yankee. Go ahead, John. Okay. I mean, I, I do agree with you uh, almost always on policy, but I mean, what you're talking about, you just cannot snap your fingers and expect instantaneous change. I hope our revolution and brand new Congress candidates win. I mean, I'm going to be pushing for that, you know, tooth and nail, and hopefully there will be a change. But, you know, uh, I, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. But I mean, we, we, so we just got to go from there. Thank you very much, John. Folks, as John said, we have to be hopeful. Things don't change in a day. He's absolutely right. That is one of the reasons that I do what I'm doing, and that is the reason that I intend to continue putting the pressure on, on, on the parties, on progressives to go out there and do what, in my, in my humble opinion, I think, 
we have to do. Thank you very much, uh, John, for being here. Thank you, thank you, everybody. This is Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis. Please continue to share these shows because this is how we're going to keep people informed. You guys have a wonderful rest of the afternoon. Uh, great. Okay, Facebook, thank you very much for, uh, for 